Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there, and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short, and I'm joined here once again by Drew Silva. Now, this episode is all about late spring news, little tidbits for you going into your drafts. Not necessarily going in-depth on all this stuff, but kind of more of a checklist for people to consider as they go into their drafts this week. Anyhow, Drew, how's the weekend been for you? I know we're not used to this Sunday night show thing. Um, but you know, it's late spring training, there's stuff happening all the time. So we're trying to be there for, for our, our listeners. Yeah. I mean, I would say in general, we've avoided like major camp injuries. Don't you think compared to, to, and I knock on wood, like there's still 10 days left till we get the regular season underway and stuff can happen. But, um, yeah, some stuff early on, like JT Realmuto, we'll get into an update on him. And Sean Murphy's, you know, made his Cactus League debut. Looks like he'll be ready for the A's. He had that collapsed lung. Zach Britton is going to be out a while. He was kind of borderline fantasy relevant as the setup man for the Yankees. But other than that, it's it's been relatively quiet on the injury front, which is that's what you want this time of year for there not to be breaking news. Yeah, I think Framber Valdez with the fractured finger. Yeah. It seems like he might be back sooner than anybody anticipated. Uh, Carlos Carrasco, you know, this past week with the the hamstring yeah. tear strain, however you want to say it, um, you know, likely to be sidelined probably till late May or so. Uh, he was already dealing with some elbow soreness, which for him, I I believe, is kind of a routine thing for him every spring. It did seem like he was back on track prior to that hamstring injury, so. You know, I think as far as like draft season, probably the Carrasco one, you know, mm-hmm. stands out the most to me that will have some impact. Someone who's certainly still draftable. If you remember, we did our starting pitcher episode. I think I had Carrasco like 15th or 16th. Uh, since then, I've bumped him around like 30th. But yeah, for that to be the biggest injury is kind of incredible, you know, because he, he was sort of, I, I forget where his ADP was before that injury, but, you know, maybe just inside the top 100 and, so for the injury bug not to bite, you know, many people in the top 100 is, I'd say it's encouraging. But again, yeah. we, still, we still have 10 days to go and players can like drop luggage on their toes. And <laughs> <laughs> There's been a number of weird yeah. injuries with uh, players cutting themselves this, this spring. Uh, what was it? Uh, Torkelson, the top yeah. prospect of the Tigers, the it's can trying opener. To, trying yeah. to open a can. Yeah. yeah. So that can happen. There's still 10 days left. But uh, before we get into these notes, just a quick reminder that the NBC Sports Edge Fantasy Baseball magazine is out in stores right now. Uh, The online guide is also available, and it's being constantly updated. 
during uh, spring training to get you in prime position for draft day. This is this is prime time for drafts right now. So uh, we're adding new stuff all the time. We had some good stuff uh, added over the weekend. Uh, Matt Williams, actually one of our new additions here in NBC Sports Edge, did a really in-depth piece looking at average draft position in Yahoo, CBS, ESPN. And I used to write this column and it would kind of drive me crazy. But Matt even went further in depth than that. I don't know how he did that without losing his mind, but we appreciate it. And you should definitely check it out there at our online uh, draft guide. Uh, if you want to get started, just go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash MLB draft guide to get started there. So we're recording the show late Sunday night. And there were some developments uh, during the day, uh, the, the, and a lot of it to do with the Royals. So uh, we'll dig into it first with Salvador Perez. He gets a new four-year extension from the Royals, kind of came out of nowhere, gets a, a fifth-year fifth club option on that deal. Uh, he was previously set to become a free agent after the 2021 season. So uh, now Perez is under contract through 2025 and possibly as long as 2026 the total guarantee on the deal is $82 million, which makes it the largest contract in Royals history, surpassing the Alex Gordon signing from a few years ago. That was a four-year, $72 million contract. And if the option's picked up and he maxes out on the deal, Perez could make $93.5 million. Now, you can certainly look in a vacuum and say, this might not work out, uh, especially given the workload that Perez has had over the years. He's going into his age 31 season right now. So, you know, now the Royals have him locked up through, I, I guess, his age 35 season, possibly age 36. You know, is he going to be a full-time catcher forever? I I doubt it. And then if at some point he has to move to the DH spot, maybe like part-time, how does he how does he look there? How does his production stack up? Uh, remember, going into last year, he had a 98 OPS plus for his career. But I think the important thing to keep in mind with the relationship between the Royals and Perez is, you know, he's a homegrown player there. And shortly after he made his debut in 2012, he signed this like much discussed extension that was five years and seven million, seven million million. I had to just double check right now because I, I kind of <laughs> couldn't believe it. Um, five years, seven million had three club options. They ended up ripping up that deal uh, before the three club options kicked in. I think that was like right after the Royals won the World Series. Yeah, uh, that's right. yeah. And so he got a new deal after that, uh, which was much more, you know, kind of a reward for everything he did. So at this point, when he's getting these kind of big salaries, I think it's, I think it's like almost like retroactive for like kind of the way that he got screwed early in his career yeah i mean the royals they, they've kind of taken care of their players and we, yeah. we've, we've started to talk a lot about them on this podcast as it pertains to bobby witt jr too and how they might mess with his service time and i i like that lineup uh in the short term and the long term and to keep perez around is, is a smart move in my opinion i mean he hit like a dh last year yeah, he was awesome. batting average 986 ops 11 homers and only 37 games and He's always been a, a pretty steady guy behind the plate, missed that one year because of Tommy John surgery, but picked up right where he left off and even improved. Um, and still relatively young for, for how you know, he's been around a long time. I believe he debuted at age 21. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So 
I, I don't know. I, I like like the deal on the surface. You never know how catchers are going to age. Some of them age really gracefully, and and he could be maybe that one of those types. Yeah. So we should say Perez is a top five catcher in, in fantasy drafts this year. After what you said, he he was just awesome last year. Uh, definitely a tougher call, and you know on on base percentage formats, maybe points points leagues that kind of thing because he is that's not really his game. Um, but certainly, you know, the catcher position is only so deep, so he's going to be one of the top options there for sure. Um, and, and it is kind of ironic that on the same day that this extension is announced, the Royals send Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, down to low A Columbia. Of course, this comes amid all the speculation that Witt possibly could make the opening day roster. And really that it ever got to that point was pretty amazing <laughs> Witt has only played 37 games uh, in rookie ball since his selection, second overall in the 2019 draft. We have to look at that through a you know a different prism since there was no minor league baseball last year, but still, uh, you know, not really much pro experience. Witt has looked impressive at certain points this spring. Hit 289 with three homers over 14 games, but uh, he did have a 10 to two strikeout to walk ratio and 40 plate appearances. So I don't know. I, I can't compare this to Jared Kelnick with the Mariners. Uh, Kelnick had ex, you know extensive time in the minors, uh, certainly more experience under his belt, got all the way to double A. Uh, so these, these situations are not comparable to me. Uh, Kelnick, you could certainly say there's a service time gripe there. He looks ready. Uh, but with the Royals and Wit, you know, I, I think it's a dangerous game if they were to call him up because, like, if he failed and then they have to send him back down, like, that's really tough. So I think they got to make sure he's ready whenever this happens. It could be this year, uh, but it'll just be a little bit delayed. Yeah, give him some time at, at double A AA or triple A. You know, like, hasn't played a game above the rookie level Arizona League and. I, I mean, second base is kind of open there in Kansas City. Nicky Lopez, Hanser Alberto, um, you know, Lopez is really good defensively. I don't know if he's ever going to be much of a hitter. Um, so that spot should be open to him. I, I, I see possibly if he, you know, starts at double A or like goes to their alternate training site and, and shows well and then like gets up to triple A and everything's going well. Maybe sometime in June he takes over as their starting second baseman. They're also talking about – he, he probably has the athleticism to play center field too. Sure. So, so if Michael A. Taylor doesn't work out, maybe there's an opening there. But yeah, I think it's too much pressure to put on a 20-year-old um, to be major league ready right out of the gate, having not played above the Arizona League. Yeah, I'm selfishly, I, I would love to see it <laughs> just because it would be exciting. And it would make the Royals lineup, which is, you know, we already think is pretty interesting, uh, even, you know, almost must must watch. Um, so we'll just have to wait a little bit and that's fine. I think, you know, Kelnick, you know, since he's come back from this knee injury and looking great, he actually homered on Sunday. Um, uh, and James Paxton looked good in his Cactus League debut as well. I think Julio Rodriguez homered as well. So mm -hmm. like an awesome day for Chris Crawford and his, his grandma, which is nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th I think if you want to make that case for Kelnick, if, even if he doesn't make the opening day roster, certainly I think he's worth a, a pick and maybe even a standard mixed league at this point. If you can, you know, manage having a, you know, a dead roster spot for a few weeks, I think that could certainly happen. Uh, 
But with Witt, I think at this point, now that we know he's going down, I wouldn't really bother uh, picking him up unless it was like a deep league where you have reserves reserve spots. Yep, I agree with you there. Yeah. Uh, so we talked on our positional preview podcast about relievers that we didn't know quite what to make of the save situation in San Diego. Drew Pomeranz, Mark Melanson, Emilio Pagan were all in my top 40 uh, with Keone Kella sort of on a, a watch list. And we have a late spring development with Pomeranz, who hasn't appeared in a Cactus League game since March 9th due to tightness in his left forearm. Uh, there's been some imaging tests done, like M- MRI, that didn't show anything serious. So hopefully this is just a blip. Uh, but you hear forearm tightness this late in camp. You get a little worried. And it further clouds the, the Padres saves mix entering prime dra- fantasy draft season. And with opening day now exactly... 10 days away um or yeah that's about right yeah Um, something like that 11 days depending on when you're listening to this Uh, pomeranz did play catch from 100 feet on sunday and it it sounds like he's going to get back on a mound or at least try to early this week um i'd call him questionable for the start of the season given when this started to develop and it it all kind of depends on how this week goes obviously if if he gets on a mound and he looks fine you know maybe he will be on the opening day roster um, Pagan Melanson get a boost for me. Definitely look more draftable, probably in the later rounds, just to handcuff the Pomeranz injury. And even with Pomeranz fully healthy, it, it's not clear how those ninth inning opportunities are going to play out for one of the best teams in baseball, too, um, which is frustrating. But it's like yeah, that welcome to modern fantasy baseball. Um, it's just kind of how teams operate. And if you listen to our relievers episode, we're frustrated by it too. Um, some of these are hard to, to diagnose how exactly they're going to play out. Um, yeah. Some other Padres news, Denelson Lamette is a near certainty to open the season on the injured list as he continues to work back slowly from that bicep slash elbow issue that, that bothered him down the stretch last year. It doesn't sound like there's been any sort of setback, but the Padres don't want to rush him too fast, and they have the arms to get through mid-April without him. Adrian Morhone uh, will probably fill that final spot in the rotation temporarily, then moves into like a piggyback swingman type role for you know whenever Lamette is ready and activated. Um, to, to me, both the risk and the upside have been built into Lamette's draft day cost this spring. Overall ADP of 104.3 right now on Yahoo. Um, if he's fully healthy, he can be a, a top 15, even top 10 fantasy starter. You look at the 2.09 ERA, 93 strikeouts and 69 innings last year before the injury, 0.85 whip. Um, But it's difficult to be super confident right now that we're going to see a great workload from Lamette this year. Um, And just the the fact that we haven't seen him much this spring or heard much from him um, is a little bit discouraging, especially if if you were in an early draft and and you you drafted him within the top 85, which is where he was going like in February – um, even when we did our, our starting pitchers podcast, I got that was about three weeks ago at this point, his ADP was in the 90s, and now it's moved above 100, at least on Yahoo. I think Lamette's going to make his uh, spring debut on Tuesday, so that's a huge test to see how he bounces back from that. Um, and it's just, I think, one of those things where he's just not going to have enough time to get yeah. ready. But it could be mid to late April that he will be. And, you know, if, if you are able to get him later than initially expected. And I think people will be scared now that yeah. he's going to start the year on the injured list. This could be one of those situations where you might benefit, but then again, he could pitch Tuesday and it could be bad. 
Yeah, who knows? If you're doing yeah. a, a draft this week, next weekend, he's going to have that little red flag next to his name. And yeah, sometimes people don't even look into what exactly is going on and just skip him. So he's yeah, he's bound to be one of those guys that you'll see him at the, like the top of the the list, just <sighs> sitting there for a long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, in a year where pitching is, you know, quality pitching pitchers, you kind of have full confidence in their abilities and their skills, you know, I, I think it could be worth a risk. I, I could. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he'll fall into that range where the upside is totally worth it. And maybe you only get a hundred innings from him, 120 innings, but, um, still what he does within those 120 innings will return an investment that's comparable to someone who's, it doesn't have the upside, but feels a little safer. Yeah. Um, and then a, a, a Padres catcher, Austin Nola, is still recovering from a fractured finger on his left hand. He suffered that injury last weekend um, around March 13th, I believe, March 15th. Um, he's been able to continue catching drills, which is a good sign given that the fracture is on his glove hand. Uh, but he hasn't resumed hitting yet, and that's going to be the big test. And I would say he's probably going to be unavailable for the start of the year. Uh, given that he hasn't started swinging a bat yet. And and again, we're 10 days away from opening day. So it would appear that Victor Caratini is going to be more than just the personal catcher, catcher to you, Darvish. He was included in that Darvish trade uh, primarily to fill that role. It looks like he might be sort of the everyday guy or, I don't know, maybe, maybe top catching prospect Luis Camposano uh, might make the team out of camp and, and get some run in the early going while Nola recovers. Uh, but it's not clear exactly if the Padres are going to carry him. Um, and Nola shouldn't be too far behind. You know, he, he had been going as the ninth catcher off the board in Yahoo drafts. There are some options I like m- more than Nola around that area of, of ADP. Yeah. Even before the fractured finger, like looking at the list right now, James McCann and Sean Murphy stand out, both going after Nola. Hmm. You know, some of that could have been pre-injury ADP, but um, it, it, once you get down into the, into that area of if you're like in a one-catcher league, I'd feel a lot more confident with a guy like McCann or Murphy, who I think will have um, – they'll just play more, to be honest. And I think they have greater offensive upside, too. Um, Noah's had some some nice flashes lately, kind of changed his plate approach. But um, I, I'd feel more confident with, with Murphy and, and McCann if you're deciding between those three in, in a draft coming up this week. And like you said in the beginning, it seems like Murphy's going to be ready for the season, which is really good news. So – uh, if you're considering, you know, late round uh, kind of dart throws here, I think Kike Hernandez with the Red Sox could potentially be interesting. Uh, over the weekend, uh, it's not official, but it does seem like things are trending in this direction. Like we're we're seeing more and more teams kind of roll out what might be their regular lineups. And so Saturday, the Red Sox let off with Kike Hernandez. And it seems like this could be a normal thing. Uh, Chris Cotillo of MassLive.com wrote that Alex Cora really wanted to split Alex Verdugo and Rafael Devers and the lineup. So this is how he's accomplishing that. Uh, Also, Hernandez wants to hit leadoff, and Alex Verdugo has said that he prefers to hit second. I think on the surface you'd think maybe Verdugo should be the leadoff man, but if he likes hitting second, you know, it kind of opens things up a little bit there. Uh, So that's... Good for fantasy. You certainly like that. Uh, the volume at the top for Kike Hernandez to be the regular leadoff man there, a good situation there uh, in Fenway Park, the other ALEs ballparks. But in a real baseball sense, it's, it's kind of puzzling. Uh, Hernandez has a 313 on base percentage for his career. And against right-handed pitching, it's 286. That's really bad. Uh, 
Uh, but he does, you know, he's showing a good approach this spring, four to eight uh, K to BB ratio and four and 36 plate appearances, at least going into Sunday. Uh, so it does seem like maybe he's trying to get into that leadoff man mold. We'll see. Uh, but certainly fantasy wise, you like it. Hernandez last year, the numbers weren't great. 235 homers, 680 OPS. But remember, he had 17 home runs in 2019, 21 in 2018. He's eligible between second base shortstop and outfield in Yahoo League. So I think he could be a really useful guy, even in, I don't know, 12 team mixed leagues that has, you know, multiple utility spots. I think it could be, you know, a five outfielder league, something like that. I think he could be at least a useful like plug and play guy, especially since you know he's going to be hit right in front of those, uh, right in front of those, you know, big boppers in that Red Sox lineup. Yeah, we'll see how long the leadoff thing lasts. He he was always treated as more of a super utility man with the Dodgers. So getting more regular at bats, you know, in in an everyday role as their starting second baseman, perhaps he settles in and shows a bit more plate discipline. I think he's an intriguing late round guy with multi-position eligibility and, and some power and a, a little bit of speed. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're going to get some runs scored perhaps if he sticks at the top of the lineup, at least he's for, like the baseball cliche of like spark plug, which yeah, is like totally. you love to have at the top of your lineup. Like he has endless energy enthusiasm i think he was the one who banged uh arms with uh cody bellinger after the home run <laughs> uh last postseason so uh you know i i get it i get it he's kind of like that baseball cliche uh but i'm not sure like you were saying how long it will actually last but yeah. and like, while it does that's good 1980s 1990 early 90s baseball he he would yeah. fit fit the leadoff profile but um, we'll see how long he lasts up there. I mean, Verdugo is just a much better hitter. Yeah. And then, like, I, I don't. Do you want Rafael Devers really hitting fifth, or would you rather go, you know, Verdugo Devers or Verdugo Bogarts Martinez Devers? You know, I, I mean, it, just from yeah. a, a roster construction standpoint, I, I don't know if it's it's something that Alex Cora will stick with. Yeah, as of now, it looks like Kike one, Verdugo two, JD Martinez three, Bogarts four, Devers five. So I don't know, especially if Devers like really bounces back like we think he yeah. will. I don't know if that's going to last. I think you're right. All right. I've got a, some injury type updates I'm going to run through here uh, as people move into draft season. Mike Soroka threw a simulated game this weekend in Braves camp, uh, but it doesn't sound like he's going to get into any grapefruit league or exhibition games and will open the season on the injured list in case there was any question about that as he recovers from a torn Achilles tendon. There's no official timetable um, but MLB.com's Mark Bowman said probably late April is about the right target for when we might see Soroka's 2021 regular season debut. Um, Bryce Wilson, Kyle Wright, Hyuskara Noah, and Tuki Toussaint are competing for the final spot in the season opening rotation in Atlanta. Some familiar names there that, that got work in that final rotation spot last year. I would bet on Bryce Wilson winning it. Um, but Wright is probably the most interesting from a fantasy perspective if, if we're talking like deep league streaming. Um, in a shallower league w- with this situation, you're basically just waiting on a clear timetable for Soroka. And yeah, l- late April would seem doable. They're just they're taking the time with him, and he's still ca- ca- kind of got to field his position, uh, be able to, to do that. And I guess he's got to be able to hit now too because we're not going to get a DH. So. Um, something the Braves have to consider. They don't want to throw him out there until they know that that Achilles tendon is, is fully back intact. Uh, JT Real Muto was supposed to make his Grapefruit Fruit League debut on Sunday 
as he recovers from a, a mid-February fracture in his right thumb. But the Phillies scratched him from that game due to general soreness, not necessarily related to the thumb. Um, he got several bats in a simulated game on Saturday and also did some catching in that simulated game. So manager Joe Girardi explained to reporters that the, the team's just being cautious here, giving him a little break. Uh, Real Muto still has a chance to be ready for opening day. I'd say that it's likely at this point, uh, but maybe there's some concern that he hasn't had any grapefruit league at bats yet here on March 21st, March 22nd. Um, you could bake that into the narrative if Real Muto gets off to a slow start, but in general, it doesn't seem like an overly concerning situation. There's been no setback. He's made good progress from that injury and should still be the top catcher off the board in every standard fantasy draft. Um, and, and then Brendan Rogers uh, was looking like the favorite for the Rockies starting base job this spring, but he's going to miss at least the first month of the regular season due to what, what appears to be a severe right hamstring strain. It was downplayed as minor when Rogers initially suffered that injury nine to 10 days ago in camp, but I, I guess he either re-aggravated it or, or further testing showed more reason for concern and they've essentially shut him down. Um, either way, we'll probably see Ryan McMahon play a lot of second base now in April. He had been slated to take over at third base following the Nolan Arenado trade. Uh, Josh Fuentes projects to handle the hot corner now. Garrett Hampson probably gets an uptick in playing time too. He's been kind of a man without a position. Um, anyone who plays fantasy baseball is familiar with Mc McMahon and Hampson. They've been hovering around uh, fantasy relevance the last few years as, as we try to get late round pieces of that course field effect. McMahon offers the power. Hampson has the speed. Uh, both could be useful in the early early going. I would say McMahon should be useful throughout the season. 33 home runs and 109 RBIs since the beginning of 2019 with eligibility at second base, third base, and also first base. And should have a pretty prominent um, spot in that lineup too, I would think. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and who knows with Rodgers? You know, the, the injury history is yeah. – Starting to starting to build up there. Um, you just hope he can eventually break through, um, and that doesn't sideline him too long. But uh, before we continue, just a quick note that if you want to get our online draft guide or any of our premium products, we have a special offer for you. You can use our promo code Bases Ten. You can get ten percent off any premium subscription for NBC Sports Edge Plus. This can be either monthly or annual, and for any tier. So really, whatever. Uh, fantasy sport you play, whether it's NBA, NHL, whether you just want our draft guide, it's really a great value. It can help you, you know, across all sports or again, just if you're playing fantasy baseball. So remember it's promo code BASES10. You can go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash MLB draft guide to get started. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. 
Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Have another injury update here. Uh, interesting stuff in the Reds bullpen, which is something we've been tracking for a little while. And it seems like the closer situation is finally coming into focus there. Amir Garrett uh, was sidelined with left forearm tightness for the early part of spring training. He made a spring debut Saturday against the Brewers and struck out the side. Uh, he threw 12 out of his 15 pitches for strikes. So really the most you could have possibly asked for for a spring debut. Seems like Garrett really wants to put the stamp on that closer job and, and any conversation about an alternative he actually pitched the ninth inning, which uh, appears to have been intentional. And uh, Reds manager David Bell had some really striking comments after the game about uh, Garrett's performance. He said he was as good as I've ever seen him. And that's saying a whole lot. Velocity, the breaking ball, he was just dominating. That sounds like someone who wants him to be his, his closer. Um, Lucas Sims is also pl- trending in the right direction. He was sort of the dark horse for the closer job after the the Reds made all those changes during the offseason. They traded Rysel Iglesias to the Angels. They cut ties with Archie Bradley. Uh, so these are the two guys at the top of the de- depth chart. Sean Doolittle signed during the offseason, but he's had a really, really bad spring. I don't think he's really in this situation at all anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but Lucas Sims, he was sidelined as well, left forearm tightness uh, this spring. He struck out three out of the four batters he faced in a B game on Saturday. Uh, the other batter hit a home run, uh, but all in all, it was good news. It appears he's going to make his Cactus League debut on Tuesday, possibly putting him on track for the season. Still, I think if all goes as planned, Garrett will begin the year as the closer, Sims as a setup man. So, this is really good news to hear. Like if you want a late round sleeper potential pick here, I think Amir Garrett is a wonderful target. Yeah, totally agree with that. And we, we were kind of un- uncertain on, on how it exactly that situation would play out. But I, I, I would say Garrett is definitely a strong front runner at this point. Yeah. Uh, I should also mention Dom Smith. He was back in left field for the Mets on Sunday. Uh, He dealt with right wrist soreness uh, over the past few days, uh, but back in the field, he went one for three with a double uh, as well at the plate. Probably safe to say that you can draft him with confidence in the coming days. And while we're on the topic of Smith, Pete Alonso has been lights out this spring, went one for four on Sunday, has now hit safely in seven straight spring games. He's hitting 382 with three homers and 11 RBIs in Grapefruit League action. Straight up locked in. I've gotten a chance to watch a couple of his games, and he's using the whole field. I mean, he just looks – I kind of wish we could just freeze him right now (laughs) and move right to opening day because he – I mean, I I haven't seen him this locked in 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 a while. Um, And this is kind of like a narrative thing, but he used to be like all over social media, Instagram, Twitter, responding to people. He deleted all that stuff this past offseason, just really focused – on you know being the best player he can be um so i'm i'm super psyched and you know i know he had a slightly disappointing 2020 season at least relative to his historic rookie campaign but he finished the season last year on pace for 46 home runs and 100 rbis so just keep that in the back of your head 
I would I would like to delete all my social media too. I think it would make, I, make I me a better <laughs> a better person. I think it would make all of us better, I think. Um the updated timeline on, on Brendan Rogers that I talked about earlier has also created more clarity on CJ Crone, who was in Rockies camp this spring on a minor league contract and officially got added to the 40 man roster on Saturday. They they purchased the contract. It looks like he'll be the everyday first baseman out of the gate with Josh Fuentes, like I said, working in at third base and Ryan McMahon getting more action at second base where Rodgers was projected to play. Um, Crone, I remember when that, that deal with Colorado happened, he like jumped right back into the fantasy, the collective fantasy conscience. Um, hit four home runs in 13 games last year with the Tigers before dislocating his kneecap on a play at first base in August and needed season-ending surgery eventually. Um, with him being the, the everyday first baseman, at least to begin the year, and probably I think for the duration of the year, at least maybe he could be a trade candidate at some point, given that he's on a non-guaranteed minor league deal. Um, but I don't know, 30 home runs, like is that with within reach for Crone, given the, the everyday role and the fact that half of his bats will be at Coors Field? You know, he's, he's going around 245th overall right now on Yahoo. That number will definitely be on the rise as, as people become more aware that he is going to be you know, this slugging first baseman in Colorado. He's at 205th overall this over the past month on NFBC. Um, it's, it's nice on those ADP pages. You can kind of um, set the dates on, on when you want to see when, that, when these ADPs are <laughs> happening. Um, but just Crone, I think that's really intriguing late round power there. It's it's not easy to find a thirty homer bat, you know, at at two hundred and five, two hundred and forty overall. Totally. So Josh Bell, uh, I've been really encouraged by uh, with the Nationals what we've seen so far. I know we we're just talking about Pete Alonso as a rebound candidate, I guess rebound, but uh, Bell that sort of had that narrative like ever since he was traded to the Nationals, um, but he's really backed that up this spring. Had another hit Sunday against the Mets actually saw his three game Homer streak come to a close, but still he's hit, he's hitting 375 with four homers and a one, three, three, seven OPS during grapefruit league play. Um, just really locked in sort of like Pete Alonzo. Uh, and I think what's interesting, there's a couple of things with Josh Bell. First, you look at the batting order there with the nationals. It seems like they really want Victor Robles to be the leadoff man there in Washington yeah. I know he had a minor back thing. I think forced him out of Saturday's game, I believe. But I think he's going to be okay. So let's assume they go with that. Robles hits leadoff. Juan Soto second. Trey Turner third. Josh Bell cleanup. Kyle Schwarber fifth. I mean, that's pretty nice to have at least Soto and Turner probably getting on base a ton right in front of Josh Bell. That's pretty nice. The other thing that I think is interesting is some of Josh Bell's comments he's made this spring. And the the first thing he talks about is just feeling more relaxed this year than he's ever been. You think about when Josh Bell was in Pittsburgh, like he was the guy. He was like the centerpiece of the lineup. And now, like he's saying, he gets to watch Juan Soto hit every day. And he just, you know, it takes a weight off his chest. You know, he can just kind of be himself. Um, and the other thing is he's been watching Juan Soto's batting practice and it actually one, you know, side, side effect of that is that, um, you know, once in the, once he wants to let the ball get deeper in the zone before he makes contact, he's watching Juan Soto do that. And he's another player who's been using the opposite field, driving the ball the other way this spring, all the result of just watching Juan Soto getting to see his at bats and soak in everything 
you know, it's it's weird to take advice from someone who, how old is Juan Soto right now? Is he 21, 22? 20, 22 still, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, players are looking to him for, for advice. I mean, he's the best hitter maybe in the world right now, Juan Soto. So it, it does make sense. But, um, you know, I think those are two things that you can't like really quantify, but you could see that making a huge difference potentially. Um, well, and with Bell, yeah. go ahead. I mean, you go from batting behind Adam Frazier and Kevin Newman and Brian Reynolds, you know, to batting behind Victor Robles and Juan Soto and Trey Turner. Like that, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to have a good year compared yeah. to, to, to where he's going. He's the 22nd first base eligible player off the board on Yahoo. Yeah, 161.3 ADP. Uh, right after Ryan Mountcastle, who like, hasn't done much in the majors yet. We like him, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, Josh Bell had 37 homers and 116 RBIs two years ago. So I don't know about that. Reese Hoskins, who's coming off an elbow surgery. You know, I know Bell had a bad year last year. His strikeouts were up, you know, walks were way down, very uncharacteristic. One of those players who didn't have video access. Like to me, you know, the stars are aligning for him to be a wonderful value, you know, go back to being an all-star type of player. Yeah, I, I don't think we're ever going to see the the first half from 2019 like play out. I, I don't know if that he's like a 1100 OPS guy, but yeah, um, high 800s with you know potential for a whole lot of RBIs yeah. hitting behind Turner and Soto, and hopefully a, a bounce back from Ro- Robles. Yeah, um, we've talked about the Blue Jays position players on this podcast a lot over the last month plus as as we've moved into prime draft season and, and kind of wondered how they're starting pitching might work out beyond Hunjin Ryu and Robbie Ray has provided reason for optimism so far in the grapefruit league struck out seven batters and allowed just one run over five and a third innings this past Friday against the Tigers. He now is a 1.98 ERA with 18 strikeouts and 13 and two third total grapefruit league innings for the four starts. Um, Ray was kind of a mess last year, 6.62 ERA and, and 12 appearances between the Diamondbacks and Jays. 45 walks and 51 innings. Um, a lot of that was when he was in Arizona, a lot of that that badness. I, his ERA was in the fours once he moved to Toronto or, or Buffalo or wherever they were playing. <laughs> um, but we know he has the swing and miss stuff and that he's been a low ERA guy in the past. He's got a, a 2.90 ERA from, was that like back in 2016, 2017 with the Diamondbacks. Um, so he's done that in the past. It was It was probably a lot of luck with the way that he puts guys on base. Um, but he can also he can also work his way out of jams with that arsenal. Um, so to me, uh, you know, obviously has to limit the walks, but he does feel like a lot better late round flyer now than he would have in early drafts, coming off that really poor 2020 and all the all the free passes. Um, his Yahoo ADP currently sits at 235.7. Um, he's had much of this Grapefruit League success in in the same inver- environment where the Blue Jays will, will be playing their home games there in Dunedin, Florida, at least through mid to late May, it sounds like. Then it's on to, to Buffalo and then maybe Toronto later in the year. Um, so pretty encouraging if you want to chase the strikeouts from Ray and hope for the best with, with the control and the run prevention. The Blue Jays really need him to be a solid number two, number three guy, especially with Nate Pearson recently re- re-aggravating his groin strain. Pearson might not be ready until late April, possibly even into May. So you've got Ryu, Ray, you know, Tanner Roark, Steven Matz, Ross Stripling. That's not a, a rotation that screams World Series contender. 
Um, yeah. We love that lineup, but you know, I, I guess they should get Pearson into the mix eventually, and they can add a starter via trade at some point. Like a lot of teams are going to be crying poor still throughout 2020, maybe even more so than we heard from last year. Um, and so there will be like deals that you can get on a veteran starter who's on a bad contract. Um, I, I think there are n- a number of teams that didn't like the trade market this winter, didn't like the free agent options when it came to starting pitching, and you know are, were prepared to to go into the season and then try to address some holes that they might have in the rotation. I think the Cardinals are one of them too. Yeah, I think the uh, the Blue Jays are one of a number of contenders who just have like a lot of depth. They have a lot of guys, whether they're going to actually be. You know, great contributors, I have no idea. But while we wait for Nate Pearson, there's certainly opportunity in this Blue Blue Jays rotation. Um, Ross Stripling, someone we've liked a lot, had a bad year last year. He's going to open a, open the year with a rotation spot because yep. Pearson's hurt. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think he's necessarily a mixed league guy. But Ray's strikeout ability, you know, puts him on the radar, at least as a, as a matchup play uh, for sure. Trevor Rogers is a guy who's really jumped on the radar uh, and mixed leagues, it looks like he's about to uh, lock in a rotation spot uh, with the Marlins. Had six strikeouts over five innings uh, Sunday against the Astros. So if you're looking for you know a late round dart throw toward the end of your draft, someone to have on your your bench even to start the year, I think Trevor Rogers could be a really good pick, especially at this point where you're in those later rounds. You're just you're just taking shots. I think Rogers could be a, a really good pick. Yeah, he's Rogers is very intriguing to me. Like, didn't spend much time in the minor leagues because there were there were no minor leagues last year, and he was uh, what the thirteenth overall pick in two thousand seventeen, but didn't start his career to, till two thousand eighteen. So there's not a lot of you know data on him, but and he didn't show like especially well in his first taste of major league action last year. That the Marlins were kind of forced to turn to him with all their COVID stuff. Um, but he struck out thirty nine batters in twenty eight innings. So. Yeah, I mean, kind of a good comp to to Ray in terms of fantasy potential. Yep. So I think that's all I got for now. I'm sure there's going to be a bunch more we can get to uh, this coming week. We're going to do our our normal show uh, where we record Thursday and it'll be live on Friday. So uh, lots of uh, last minute, uh, hopefully fantasy draft information for you guys. Yep, I'm looking forward to it, man. Got a lot of legit drafts coming up or, or going right now we got a slow draft it looks like you're almost on the clock actually i think i might be up actually yeah. <laughs> i think it's been like 24 hours since i picked so or no i picked this morning actually yeah today's uh, been going pretty well i guess people are at home just watching basketball exactly um so if you like what you're hearing with this show circling the bases be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please rate and review Follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve. Be safe out there, and we will see you next time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. 
It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.